Welcome to the Leadership for Benefits Professionals podcast, brought to you by Compass Professional Health Services, an alike company. In this podcast, we will explore topics that matter to human resources and benefits professionals. Hello, I'm Peter Heggie, Chief Marketing Officer at Compass. Today, our topic is communicating with C-suite executives, tips and tricks to get what you want. This is the time of year when HR and benefits leaders meet with executive leaders to evaluate the past year's health plan results, budgets, and discuss strategies and initiatives for the coming year. With limited executive leadership face time, how can HR leaders maximize their time to get what they need and what they want? Here with me today to address this topic is Dr. Michael Watkins, author of the international bestseller, The First 90 Days, and co-founder of the leadership consulting firm, Genesis Advisors. Welcome, Michael. Glad to be here, Peter. So let's let's dive into the first topic. You know how you know what are you know in, in in coaching these executives over the years. You know what are the what are some of the tips and tricks to really get into the mind uh, the mind the mindset of of who I'll, I will be talking with in these critical meetings. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of pieces to this, right? And, and I want to say from the outset that leadership styles vary broadly across executives. So we're going to kind of generalize here, right? But the first thing to understand is that these are people with very short attention spans. You know, you're part of a stream of things that are going on in a day, right? You know, meetings end to end through the day. And so you've got to come in and you've got to put across a couple of key messages and you've got to do it in a way that that is sort of framed in terms of the implications for the business, in terms of overall strategy. You know, don't think that you can get down into the minutia unless you've got a CFO that really wants to dive into the minutia. Put yourself in the position of the audience, and the audience in this case is, a, is you know, senior executives used to be making decisions, you know, wanting things presented very clearly and succinctly, um, certainly not wanting to go through typically a lot of facts in the room. So there's a crucial piece about pre-work here. Really adopting that senior leadership mindset and saying, what's at stake for these people in this particular meeting, right? And and what decisions are they going to want to make or not make? And I think if you if you get into that sort of mindset, Peter, it'll help orient you to what you're trying to do in the in the meeting. You can't expect that you know the 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 CFO or CEO just woke up and was thinking all day long about our health plan and how it was running and. Uh, looking forward to you know this 30 minutes that I, that I have to review last year's plan and set the direction for next year. So I love this idea of getting into the, 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 the stream of what may or may not be going on in the leader's day and making sure that you know, you're, you're focused on what they want to care about, not necessarily what, what you care about. That's exactly right, Peter. And I think, I think that's a common mistake and you're pointing to it. For the HR benefits people, this is their world, right? You, you eat and drink and sleep it. But for those executives, it's one of perhaps 50 things that they're thinking about at, at any given point in time. Well, to, to that end, what are some best ways to set goals for the meeting, whether it be when I first start with the executive team, or are there ways that I could actually prime the pump before the meeting to help to set me up for success? So I think number one is really being clear on what a good outcome for the meeting looks like, right? And, and being realistic as you set those goals. and and also. You know, is this a situation where you're expecting a decision in the room or is it part of a stream of things that are happening that will eventually lead to a decision? 
because you're going to operate very differently if there's an expectation that you know a decision is going to be made as a result of this single meeting as opposed to this is part of a process of moving the agenda forward such that you know in two or three meetings down the, the road you're going to you're going to get a, a decision i think another common mistake i see in presenting to c suite is is trying to do too much right you've got to you've got to just sort yeah. of they, what are the one or two things that we're going to try and accomplish in this meeting? And that could be raise awareness of, of the issue. It could be frame the agenda. It could be focus attention on this particular aspect and, and, and try to drive for a decision. But be realistic about what you can you can accomplish in the meeting. I think is a is is a crucial part of it. Well, you know, now that we've talked about you know goal setting either before or at the beginning of the meeting, like how how can I best prep as a leader going into that meeting any any tips and tricks there yeah I, I think that that I think about this in terms of facts and stories right and so and and it's striking the right balance between the facts and the story that you're trying to tell you know you have to have the facts right the performance is going to speak for itself to some degree um, you need to frame it up though in terms of the context within which those facts you know are going to be interpreted and that's where you really begin to, to move from purely a focus on facts data analysis to the story that you're trying to tell here and i see you know i see a common mistake especially among specialists presenting to c-suite folks that that they think the data kind of speaks for itself or the analysis speaks for itself but it needs to be contextualized peter it needs to be framed into the, the bigger you know story that you're trying to tell because that in the end is what's going to stick with people when they come out of the meeting if you're talking to a broader C-suite group, providing the context and the story can be as or more important because that's the lens through which those facts are going to be, you know, assessed and evaluated. Do you have a couple examples, an example of where you've seen a leader effectively use storytelling in the in, in a meeting like this um, that you could share with the group? Sure. So, you know, if you think about it, let's just take an example of the performance of, in this case, a health plan, right? You, you could you could walk in the room and you could say you know here's what happened last year right in terms of performance and here's our data and here's our analysis and and uh, you know we're we're up or down X percent. Your CFO may know enough to know whether that is good performance, okay performance, mediocre performance because they understand perhaps the context, the comparables within which you're you're operating right, but Yep. The rest of the executive team may not have a sense of that at all, right? And so you need to tell a story here that basically says, look, you know, tough year, and in a tough year, this was actually pretty, pretty wonderful performance, right? It may, you know, the number may not look that impressive on the face of it, but when you understand the context within which we were operating, it's really, that sort of makes sense to you that it's not enough just to pro provide the facts, you, you've got to provide the context, especially for non-specialist audiences that, that simply don't understand it to the degree that you do. No, and, and as you think about story to think, think a little bit about what makes for good stories, right? I mean, good stories, maybe they've got a little suspense to them. Maybe they build up to a, to a key point. You know, if you're, if you're writing a novel or a play, there's an, what's known as a narrative arc associated with it, right? And so a little bit of thinking about what is going to feel and look like a good, compelling story here is 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 something absolutely worth you know thinking through and in fact there's good resources out there 
um, you know, for, for thinking about how to construct good stories and, and you know, and, and different classic constructions of stories you can draw upon. It's game day. We're in the meeting, you know, and then we've seen folks shine and we've seen folks go down in flames. What are some of the do's and don'ts in terms of uh, the game day meeting uh, that, that you, you have for this audience? Yeah. So, so the biggest single thing I think people need to understand is striking the right balance between planning for the meeting and adapting in the meeting. Um, there's an old, you know, right. saying, uh, famous um, general that, you know, no, no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy, you know? Yep. And so, yep. so you're going to come in with your agenda. You're going to come in with a point of view of what you're trying to do. You may get 10 minutes into that. You may get 30 seconds into that where someone goes stop, you know, and, and, and starts to, to work you over a little bit. And so, you know, you, you have to be not brittle, right? The people who I see fail, and this is, by the way, true not just in presentations to senior leadership, it's true in negotiations, it's true in many influence situations. They're the ones that sort of, you know, very rigidly sequenced out what they wanted to have happen, forgetting that it was an interactive environment with powerful people in the room. And they weren't robust against the questions that were asked or the directions that, that it took. They weren't able to get things back on track if it went off track in some way or another. So balancing off that planning, you know, yes, plan, have a great plan going in for what you're going to do, but be prepared to flex based, you know, based on what actually happens in, in, in the room. You don't want to, in journalistic terms, bury the lead, right? You want to get yep. the stuff on the table right away because you may not get time to get to that other stuff, right? And so avoid a lot of, you know, throat clearing and, 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 and you know, warm up and really get to the meat early. Because then if a meeting that was scheduled for an hour goes to 20 minutes uh, and, and if you're not prepared for that, you know, if, if the important stuff was 30 minutes into your meeting plan, that's a big problem. Any other uh, advice, do's and don'ts for, for game day? Well, those, those are the big ones. I, I, think, I think understand, I mean, there's some very obvious stuff, right, which, which is, you know, understand what expectations are of the way you're going to show up as a leader in a circumstance like this. And I think, you know, back to speaking the language that the leadership team is gonna understand, framing it in strategic terms, you know, um, just the dress and department piece, but that's something that most, you know, folks at the level you're talking about will, will, will understand. I think there's also, and you alluded to this earlier, Peter, a crucial piece too about what happens after the meeting. This is, part of a flow of influence that's going on to a degree, right? The, the, the meeting itself is a focal point and, you know, may move the process forward, but then there's going to be what's the, the, the appropriate follow-up um, in terms of additional information that you need to provide or, you know, context to the story. What's the next stage that you need to, to, to be accomplishing and sort of thinking about it as a bit of a chess game that you're engaged in where, you know, you need, you need a broader strategy and, and, you know, it's not just about the individual uh, moves that you're going to make. What are some ways that you can influence your audience prior to being in game day, Super Bowl, decision, you know, decision-making meeting uh, to set myself up for success? Exactly. I, sometimes when I, I, I do, you know, classes on, on influence and negotiation and the executive programs I teach at IMD, and I there's a whole tactic that you're pointing to called sequencing, right? What's the right order to do things and what are you going to accomplish yep. and engage in that flow of influence? And I often ask my classes, you know, <clears throat> how many of you have been in a meeting 
and realize that the real meeting has already happened. And everyone, <laughs> and, and there's just, there's just, a, there's always a laugh, right? I mean, it's like, because that's the way it works. It is the meetings before the meetings. It's the preparatory work. It's what happens in the room. It's the follow-up, you know, that flow of influence is just so, so incredibly critical and thinking in those terms, right? You don't, you don't often see leaders intuitively and automatically think about flows of influence like that. And I think likewise alliances, right? I, we didn't talk about this, but understanding if you're in a room of senior leaders, they're not all gonna be equally supportive of what you're trying to do, right? And so understanding who your alliances, your allies are, understanding what the agendas of different players in that audience are. I mean, that's all critical preparatory work that you really need to be to be doing. I think also you, you, you flagged one other thought for me too, which is I, I um, early in my career, I, I taught at negotiation programs at the Harvard Law School. And there was quite a famous professor named Roger Fisher, who um, co-authored a book called Getting to Yes, which was a very seminal book in negotiation. And, and he had a, a phrase I liked a lot. He said, you should always offer people a yesable proposition. And what he meant by that was offer people, ask for things that are at least somewhat hard to say no to, calibrate what you're asking for to increase the likelihood that you're gonna get the answer you want, right? And so maybe at, instead of asking for this, you know, big bucket of resources right off the bat, you know, maybe you ask for permission to study the issue. And it's, you know, I, I'm not applying it directly to the, the circumstance we're talking about, but hopefully it makes sense, right? You need to calibrate clearly what the asks are and make it as easy as possible for the answer to those asks to be yes. I think this was super helpful for me. I know it was super helpful for our audience. This has been the Leadership for Benefits Professionals podcast. We'll, we'll see you next time.